Hello and welcome back to the Sustainability Street podcast hosted by Crowbury Consulting. My name is Becky Toll, Managing Director of Crowbury Consulting and today's podcast is all about ethical auditing and social systems audits. Um, So this podcast is going to introduce and talk about what is an ethical audit or a social systems audit, where did they come from, how did they evolve, how many different types of ethical audit, social systems audit there are out there at the moment, and generally what sort of topics are covered um, in the process of completing an ethical audit. Um, And as we go through those broad sort of headings, I'm going to try and give you some hints and tips um, as well to help you uh, guide you on your way. So if we start with what is an ethical audit um, and and how did they evolve, uh, traditionally um, businesses have done business with other business, you know, based on trust um, or based on people that they know, uh, people that they know, like and trust. But as the business community has evolved and we have multi-layered supply chains, uh, tier one, tier two, tier three, etc., a lot of companies now like to onboard suppliers and get to know the suppliers a little bit more. Um, And so, Usually before you become um, a supplier to any kind of big corporate organisation, you have to complete what's called a supply chain questionnaire. And that can often trigger um, an ethical audit or a social systems audit. Um, Now, this process has come about through a plethora uh, of Uh, It's fair to say, United Nations and International Labour Organization protocols um, and standards. Um, So the UN Declaration on Human Rights, for example, is a very well-known one, or ILOs on the rights of the worker, um, the the rights of uh, the child, and so on and so on. And there's many, many of these protocols and standards that have been released over the years, Um, And human rights lawyers uh, refer to those in their their legal cases. So as time has moved on and business has got more savvy and aware of compliance risk, um, one of the big compliance risks of the 21st century is all around human rights and respect for workers across the world in the many factories that they work in or service-based industries that they work in. So a distillation really of all the UN conventions and ILO protocols has come to uh, be held within a code, which is referred to as the Ethical Trading Initiative ETI base code, which is a a code which discusses respect for workers worldwide and distills really all these UN and ILO conventions into nine bullet points which sounds easy on paper, um, but we're going to go through it in a a bit more detail. So if you're asked to have an ethical audit or a social systems audit, there's a very strong um, human rights reason why uh, you've been asked to have an ethical audit, social systems audit. And the ETI base code really underpins many, many of the different types of ethical audits, social systems audits. Now, 
I'll just touch a little bit on this ETI base code, which you can download for free from ethicaltrade.org uh, website. It covers um, items such as employment, freely chosen, freedom of association and right to collective bargaining, working conditions being safe and hygienic, child labour not to be used, living wages are to be paid, working hours are not to be excessive, no discrimination is allowed to be practised, regular employment is provided and no harsh or inhumane treatment is allowed. Um, so looking through those sort of nine bullet points, you know, most businesses do behave ethically and do treat their workers um, to the various UN and ILO um, protocols and conventions. But occasionally things do, you know, slip through the net or slip through the cracks. And sometimes bad behaviours can be revealed through um, the process of ethical auditing. Um, and a good place to look if you're asked to sort of build um, a social system system is the international standard ISO 26000-2010 or 26000-2010, which is a guidance on social responsibility. And there are core modules within the guidance on social responsibility that can help you get ready for an ethical audit. And that includes, again, a human rights module, labour practices module, including health and safety, the environment as a module, fair operating practices as a module, consumer issues as a module, and community involvement and development as a module. Um, so human rights, um, obviously, over the last 20 years has become a lot more uh, critical in terms of compliance. And businesses really um, need to have a human rights policy that commits them to meet their responsibilities in respect of human rights and have a due diligence process to identify, prevent, mitigate and account for how they address their human rights impacts. And they should have processes to enable them to um, allow rem remediation or remedy of any adverse human rights impacts that they cause. So the UN have what's called Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which is a 42-page PDF. Again, the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which, again, you can download that at your leisure uh, through just a quick uh, internet, internet search. So, yeah, a lot of businesses don't tend to have a defined human rights policy, but it can be incredibly helpful. And in the United Kingdom, we have a piece of legislation now called the Modern Slavery Act, which links to the transparency and supply chain regulations. Um, in the United States, there was legislation passed in California, very similar legislation um, many years before the UK Modern Slavery Act was passed. Um, so the focus really has, has been brought into to sharp uh, clarity, if you like, over the last sort of 10 to 15 years about the importance of uh, human rights in supply chains. And this new focus on ethical auditing and social systems compliance auditing allows business to have an independent third party, um, completely impartial organisation go and visit their suppliers, and go and visit their supply chain and ask a plethora of questions 
around the ETI base code, everything from employment freely chosen right through to no harsh or inhumane treatment is allowed. And when the auditor comes to site, they're checking and verifying that um, the good practice is there and that there is no bad practice and that there is no breach of the nation's um, legislation in the country where they're doing this particular type of audit. So there's many, many types of ethical auditing or social um, compliance systems. Um, And I'm just going to touch on some of the ones that I personally have been involved with um, and some of the ones that are out there that that you could be asked to get involved with yourself. So, for example, um, the Coca-Cola company, um, I've done quite a few of their um, supply chain audits for them, uh, quite involved, um, typically take between a day and a day and a half on site. Unilever, they have a very detailed um, ethical audit process as well. And again, typically a day to two days on site. Uh, One of the well known ones, better known ones, if you like, is called SEDEX, S-E-D-E-X. And they can take anything between a day to three days on site. Um, There's Together for Sustainability, there's Fast Forward. um, And more recently, um, you've got companies like Boohoo, who have... um, created their own sort of ethical compliance toolkit as well. So companies can either elect to create their own system, um, their own onboarding of suppliers through creating a bespoke ethical code of conduct, which they push out to the supply chain um, and then have an independent auditor go and check um, that those, those methods, if you like, are being adhered to. Or they can go to a, a predetermined method such as Fast Forward or SEDEX um, or, or others. And they can request that an approved ethical auditor goes out and, and does that work. Um, in terms of what's covered, it's a, actually an incredibly detailed um, process when you look at things like your human rights, health and safety, environmental compliance. So when we talk about employment being freely chosen. Um, What we're after as as ethical auditors there is we're checking that nobody is held at the factory or at the facility against their will, that they are there of their own free volition, that they haven't been trafficked uh, into the country and that they're not, you know, unable to leave the site, that they are able to freely come in every day and freely leave every day. And if they should find another job, that they can hand in the notice, do the required notice period, and then leave the the employer's uh, terms and conditions of contract. So, yeah, no forced labour, no prison labour, no bonded labour, no child labour, and no human trafficking is effectively what we are checking when we do um, ethical auditing or social systems compliance auditing. Um, so, yeah, quite, quite a, an important part really within human rights as well, um, making sure that there's no child labour or or forced compulsory labour within your supply chains. Freedom of association and the right to collective bargaining um, can sometimes raise a few eyebrows when we do ethical audits because a lot of people don't really understand where we're coming from. You know, back in the sort of 1970s, 1980s, trade unions were very, very strong in the UK. They still are very strong. Um, But 
a lot of places that we go to, people may or may not be members of unions anymore. So we're still looking for parallel means of negotiation with management. And that could be through things like worker committees, joint consultative committees, having worker reps, um, or even some sites have both. They might have a union and union reps as well as a worker committee. So it's a very important area um, for a lot of reasons around the world. And it can be one of the areas where in the United Kingdom, especially with service-based businesses, um, which traditionally may have not have had um, strong union presence, can cause problems uh, for the customer. Working conditions are supposed to be safe and also hygienic. Um, And given that this is 2020, the year of the coronavirus, moving into 2021, the word hygiene has really shot up through the ranks in terms of predominance. Um, But safety uh, is is absolutely vital when you provide a working space uh, for your employees. Now, we look at a whole range of different types of safety, including the fabric of the building. Is the building safe? Are the chemicals that are used in the processes, are they safe? Um, Fire safety in terms of risk assessments, checking of firefighting equipment, validating that the equipment has been serviced by uh, competent fire um, organisations. And safety also applies to machine safety. So if you have cutting machines, laser machines or machines that are operating at extreme hot temperatures or cold temperatures, you know, machine safety, guarding, um, needle control, blade control, those kinds of elements are also checked um, when it comes to auditing, ethically auditing safety. It also does go as far as uh, looking at things like Legionella, Legionella control within your building, potable water, um, having good um, canteen facilities if you provide those for your workers, welfare facilities, so breakout spaces, lockers, taps and toilets, uh, making sure that they're in good working order, um, showers if you provide those as well. And that all those elements that you provide for your workers are clean and hygienic um, and that they're in good working order. So can't stress enough when we when we talk about ethical auditing, social systems auditing, the health and safety um, aspect is, is very, very large. We also look at um, the use of personal protective equipment, which is shortened to PPE. And we look at hazard and we look at risk and we also look at opportunity. So when it comes to hazards in the workplace, has the organisation eliminated where possible any hazards, so physically remove the hazard? If they, um, you know, then look look to see if they could replace the hazard, substitute it with a less hazardous process, um, or if that's, you know, not possible, move to getting people away from the hazard. So looking at engineering controls, you know, can you automate that process if it's cutting or lasering or, you know, using something that's quite dangerous Um, Or are there administrative controls um, that can be applied, so changing the way people work? And the least effective really is the provision of personal protective equipment. So that hierarchy of controls from the most effective being eliminating the physical hazard down to the least effective being um, providing just simple PPE. 
So within um, the ethical audit, social systems audit, health and safety does form quite a large part of, of any of the different methods um, that you may encounter on this journey. So it's it's vital really that as a business you have a health and safety policy, that you have a health and safety committee, regular engagement with your workers and your team, uh, regular and repeated training of health and safety. Could be simple things like manual handling, slip strips, falls, um, but then there could be more complicated training that you might have to provide as part of your um, ongoing commitment to uh, health and safety. So going back to the ETI base code, child labour shall not be used. Um, clearly, this links to the um, the UN conventions and the rights of the child. Um, and in sort of modern modern day work workplaces where labour standards are taken incredibly seriously, we, we would not really expect to see any uh, child labour. Um, however, there have been cases clearly around the world where there are instances of child labour. And as an ethical auditor, we're checking that there isn't any child labour, but also if there is child labour, what can be done about that to, to mitigate and make sure that the, the children can have access to education? Um, because we don't want uh, the worst case scenario. Children are simply banned from a facility and then their only option is to earn money is to go into sort of prostitution. So there are sensitive things that um, ethical auditors can sort of recommend around this area of child labour. Quite often in the UK, I get asked, can I not have, you know, my granddaughter or my grandson come into the office um, and learn about the business? And technically the answer to that is no. Um, you know, we do not want any children on site um, potentially exposed to any hazards, whether they're doing work or not. Um, we would just uh, obviously prefer them not to be invited to your to your facility. So living wages and working hours, this again will form a core element of any of those different types of ethical audit, social systems audit that I've just gone through. Um, and living wages obviously do dif differ depending on which country you're in. Uh, within the UK, we obviously have London living wage, we have the national minimum wage. And then once you get through Europe, um, and then outside of Europe, uh, into Asia, Australia, um, Americas, you know, the amount of money that's considered a living wage does vary from, from country to country. So if you if you have a career as an ethical auditor, you do need to read up on that and understand, you know, what's the acceptable uh, living wage, which allows you to pay your bills, pay pay for your food and still have some discretionary income. Um, so that you can go for treats, you know, take your family to see a film or go bowling, that kind of thing. Um, have a little bit of a discretionary income after you've you've paid out all your necessary expenditure. Now, working hours not to be excessive. Again, um, this does vary country to country. Um, and in an ideal world, these ethical codes, ideally you're looking at 40 hours um, to maximum 48 hours a week um, as a sort of base for, for working hours and working working standards. But some organisations clearly do provide overtime as an option, voluntary overtime. And some industries would find that incredibly difficult um, to achieve, for example, in the event sector, where putting up marquees or putting up temporary infrastructure may go over 
40 hours a week or 48 hours a week because of the time critical nature of what it is they're actually doing. But yeah, when we when we look at time and attendance and when we look at how people clock in, clock out, you know, that system um, for time and attendance is changing rapidly with artificial intelligence, Internet of Things. The old days of literally punching into a clock um, is kind of getting faded out now with facial recognition systems, fingerprint recognition systems, employee engagement apps. Um, So moving towards more digital technologies for time and attendance, um, which is clearly then linked back to living wages being paid and as an ethical auditor checking um, that you are actually paying your staff what you say you're going to pay your staff and that there is no abuse um, of that area. So typically that can take uh, quite a while to sort of verify as well. And we can't just turn up to a site as an ethical auditor and say, oh, give us all your records. We interview workers uh, on a one-to-one basis in a confidential and anonymous fashion. And we can also do focus groups. And the number of workers that we will meet and interview is based on a sampling regime. So the set numbers usually that we have to meet and interview. And here in the UK, we have something called the General Data Protection Regulations and the Data Protection Act. So we have to take with us what's called a data protection waiver. Now, this data protection waiver, when we meet the workers that we interview, we ask them to read it. Do they understand it? And can they please sign it? Um, That then allows us as the ethical auditor to check their records and check uh, their contracts of employment, the right to work documentation and their salary information as well. Um, so that's quite a vital um, tool that we have as an ethical auditor and that they should bring that to your factory or facility um, when they come to do the worker interviews. So moving on to no discrimination as practised, um, typically uh, this would be in the form of an anti-discrimination policy, anti-bullying and harassment policy, um, and obviously then linked through what we typically look at is the employee handbook um, to check what's the procedure and the process around issues like raising a grievance um, and the appeals process for that, Uh, what steps do the company take with their HR processes to ensure that no discrimination is practised, and again, heavily linked back to training um, training provision for the workers, for the management, the supervisors and the operators. Um, you know, and we do test this in the interview, you know, what, what would you do if you spotted a case of discrimination? How would you report it? Um, and we check, you know, that those processes and protocols are in place. Regular employment is provided. Um, this is all about making sure as a facility that you're not just hiring and firing at will with a constant, you know, temporary workforce, that you do actually have a pool of talent, um, a pool of respected workers that you can promote from within um, and obviously manage that talent pipeline within your business. You know, uh, quite often meet operators that started on the the factory floor, that then became supervisors, that then became managers that in some cases even then got promoted to be you know, directors on the board. So the classic definition of working your way up uh, through companies. So we are, as, as ethical auditors, checking contracts of employment and checking whether there are agency workers, temporary workers, migrant workers, 
at the facility and what are the opportunities in terms of equal opportunity and uh, access to promotion and vacancies within the organisation um, and making sure that regular employment is provided um, and that there's genuine kind of career opportunities at the facility. And then moving down to the last kind of key area, no harsh or inhumane treatment is allowed. Clearly, um, we have you know the, the Equality Act uh, in this country. We have quite a lot of anti-discrimination, anti-bullying, anti-harassment, anti-abuse um, legislation as well. But we would be checking the HR policies at this point, doing interviews with the HR manager and also um, interviews with the workers um, at the facility to check there are no harsh or inhumane treatment uh, is happening at that location. So it's a very broad um, set of topics, if you like. They're the nine key topics that we look at. And things change um, and methods evolve. And that's really important. So, for example, um, a common theme which has come through in the last few years is about land rights. Um, land rights are all about, you know, if you own the factory, if you own the land, can you demonstrate that? Can you prove that? Or if you're renting from a landlord or a landlady, can you prove that? Have you got, you know, your lease agreement, um, etc.? And clearly another strong area is data protection um, and, you know, checking that companies in the UK, for example, are registered with the Information Commissioner's Office, ICO and have a, a, a data protection officer in place who's been trained and understands what we mean by data protection. And also that workers and operators who go to a site, um, for example, that might have CCTV, that there's the necessary policies and protocols in, pre in place so that if a worker did request to see what information has been stored about them or even the right to be forgotten, you know, the, right, the request to be forgotten, that that is articulated, documented, um, and is followed uh, by the by the facility. So, just in summary, there's a few new areas there: land rights and also data protection. So, in terms of the coverage um, go going through with you today on this podcast, I'm hoping that the listeners. So, going through the subject and the different areas that we've talked about today, I'm hoping that the listeners have now got a bit more of a, a broader understanding around what's included in an ethical audit um, and how an ethical audit is conducted using data protection waivers, coming to site, sampling the workforce, interviewing the workforce. We also do what's called a site tour um, and we also look at documentation. So interviews, site tour and documentation is what auditors refer to as triangulation. So those three aspects, if you like, come in together. And the check and the verification um, that we that we perform when we come to site to do an audit. And also for the listeners, having gone through what's in the ETI base code, um, hopefully there's a better appreciation of just how broad um, ethical auditing is. We also, um, as part of some of the methods, for example, SEDEX, look at environmental management and environmental issues. So we would need to check, does the site have an environmental policy? Do they need to comply with any specific environmental permits? 
Do they have any specific environmental country unique legislation that they have to comply with? For example, hazardous waste regs, animal byproduct regulations, etc. And that in itself um, it can usually be a day to a two day audit if it was an ISO audit. But in under the ethical auditing regime, the environmental section would typically last at least two to possibly three hours, depending on the complexity of the processes held at the, the site and the facility and whether or not the site or the facility falls under uh, an environmental permitting regime, which is effectively your license to operate. So if you were running an abattoir or a food production facility um, or a tanning facility or a sewerage facility, there would be quite strict um, environmental compliance requirements upon you and it's quite likely that you would have an environmental manager working at a site like that. So ethical auditing, what is it? I think uh, we've certainly covered that off today in this podcast. Where did it come from? It's evolved out of the many, many UN and ILO conventions and protocols, and it's um, distilled into the ETI base code, which is available at ethicaltrade.org. And there are many, many different types of ethical auditing, social systems auditing that are out there. Uh, ones I've worked with, including Coca-Cola Company, Unilever, SEDEX, Fiat, Together for Sustainability. And you, you're starting to see the emergence of quite specific um, ethical auditing, social management systems for certain sectors now as well. Um, because there are unique nuances in certain sectors, uh, such as agriculture, textiles, that don't exist in other sectors such as finance or retail, etc. In terms of what's covered, just to summarise that again, um, there's at least nine to ten key areas that are covered. And a good starting point if you're new to this um, area is to take a look at the International Standard 2600 uh, the Guidance on Social Responsibility which refers to human rights, labour practices, the environment, fair operating practices, consumer issues, community involvement and development. Um, all <laughs> as separate modules, quite broad in their own right, uh, with, with various complex, uh, deep levels within them. So if you're interested in learning more, um, I would encourage you to have a look at ethicaltrade.org. There's also the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply, CIPS. Um, here at Crowbury Consulting, we're able to help you get ready for an ethical audit. Um, if you've had a request for SEDEX or any of the other types of audits, we can do the ethical gap uh, process for you and get you ready for that audit. Or if your request uh, needs a dedicated ethical auditor, uh, we're able to support you on very many different types of ethical audits as well through uh, various certification bodies that we are contractors to. So if you just need a bit of help and support and advice on social systems auditing or ethical auditing, do give us a call um, or visit our website, crowburyconsultant.com. Um, we'd be happy to talk to you. Um, we've got over 20 years business experience in this area. And we have highly qualified and competent ethical social systems auditors that work with us. So I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast all about ethical auditing and social systems auditing and how it can help support your business in terms of good governance, 
good risk management and good compliance. And it also supports um, your human rights policy, your due diligence processes to prevent, mitigate and remedy um, any adverse uh, human impacts, human rights impacts rather, that might be within your supply chain. Um, It is a broad subject. It's quite a heavy subject in a lot of ways, Um, but we're here to help. So do get in touch and look forward to reading your comments um, in the box uh, on SoundCloud. So thanks for beaming in to the Sustainability Street podcast with Becky Toll, uh, owner-manager of Crowbury Consultant Limited. And I look forward to uh, joining you all on the next podcast. Goodbye.